Welcome to the Storymakers interview series, where we rave over our favorite narratives and shine some light on the dedicated creatives who bring them to life. This series and our other platforms and channels are part of a larger mission to create an intuitive web space for storytellers from all backgrounds. Our web app will help storytellers publish custom manga, webtoons, comics, and other stories. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website, storystorm.co. I'm Jeremy Moore, CEO of StoryStorm.co. Today, we're lucky enough to have Mr. Fred Grant, a multi-talented author, filmmaker, and creator of the Crusadia Connected webcomic series. Hi, Fred. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me. Feels great to be here. Awesome. We're just really excited to have you here. I kind of just want to dive right in. If, um, if you have any questions before we do. Yeah, tell me all about it. I'm always curious to learn new things. Okay. Do you want to learn about StoryStorm or are you ready? Are you ready to go through the interview? Uh, I mean, yeah, tell me about StoryStorm. Oh, okay. Awesome, man. Yeah, so what we're building is uh, the Canva equivalent of, you know, a storage-making app, essentially. Have you ever used Canva.com? Um, no. Canva.com is what they claim to be the future of publishing, right? So they're a graphics editor where, you know, a high school student to someone 99 years old we could go in and create something like a custom presentation, poster, postcard, a lot of different graphic design files. And they have the entire graphic design workflow in one website. Um, I found myself using it. It's really convenient. I, I'm kind of in, uh, in the same belief that it is the future of publishing because it's all in one web app. You know, desktop apps have different directories you have to have and there's space allocations and concerns and whatnot. So it's a really fast, convenient process. So what we're trying to build is a web app that will do the same thing for someone looking to create a webtoon, manga, comic, film storyboard or whatnot. We want to do that for the storytelling process. Very cool. I mean, I know the big appeal to me is, you know, sites like Webtoon and Tapas just because it's good for creators starting out or, or just that want to get noticed who have even been doing it for years. You know, it's, you know, marketing is a big key. I mean, let alone getting the skills to actually do all the work, but then getting it out there is just a whole nother hassle, a whole nother job. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, whatever can help, you know, creators and, and people see uh, the creations is is always beneficial. Absolutely, man. And so Canva has this um, export feature where you can send it digitally to, you know, a number of social media profiles, basically all across the web, and you can even get print versions. So that's a big consideration we're making. So far, I've talked to a lot of creatives who have that issue of having their stuff recognized. So we're trying to solve that problem. That's one of the key problems we're trying to solve. Now, back to um, back to you. <laughs> so, um, where do you come from? And uh, what did you do there? You know, just start from wherever you think is significant. Well, actually, uh, sorry, um, to go back to what you just kind of touched on. Sorry, I had to like, process a little bit. Yes. What, how are you, what problems are you seeing pop up? Um, mm-hmm. And how are you kind of um, dealing with those? Or are you taking anything, are you approaching anything in a new way? Um, yes. So one of the main problems, our, our target customer is any creative who's um, not, a, like, or any person who's creative, but not a professional creative. 
that's the same thing with uh, Canva. You know, we wanted to allow empower more people to do uh, creative work, right? Our goal is to get these people, you know, may work in different industries or whatnot, to have them be able to express their idea uh, in a form of a visual story and then utilize and empower illustrators and creatives as well in the process. So we want to empower those two. We want to empower one group by empowering another. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as creating visual stories, we have a thing called art kits that we're developing. Uh, they're actually in our e-commerce site right now where, you know, illustrations are built instead of drawn from scratch, essentially. Just like um, you get, you know, in a big Lego set, you get a bunch of Legos, you can make a bunch of different custom creations. We're looking to do the same thing for an illustration. And eventually, a bunch of illustrations, you know, equals a visual story. Very cool. Thank you so much, Fred. <laughs> it's really nice to engage with creatives like yourself and get that good feedback. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, uh, you know... Everything's changing so fast, you know, with everything going digital and and stuff like that. It's just, it's, you know, for me, it's hard to keep track of. And um, <laughs> what's that new thing that everybody's using? Like, I'm I'm 33, and it's so funny how you just out of you know school for just a few years, and you just already are behind the times. What's that thing that con- uh, uh, Concord? I can't remember what it's called. But it's the thing that everyone's chatting on these days. And like, I'm like Discord. Discord, that's a how's like Concord. Um, <laughs> no, you know that. I, I can't get it. I, I just I was never a Twitter person, and so I don't get uh, Discord. I mean, I guess chatting with people, and I mean, I think it's really cool, and it seems to be catching on. Um, I think, you know, there's just there's just so many outlets, and everything's changing constantly. So what's yesterday's problem, you know, tomorrow's problem is solved, but then we got a new problem tomorrow. So it's just. Ever, ever changing. So, have you ever used Slack? Uh, no. Slack and Discord are kind of similar. Where the I don't know if you remember the um, like forum boards of old, like you know back when we had AOL, they used to be these internet forums. Essentially, they're like live internet forums. They kind of cache and store data, so you can always go reference them, and then they're act they create active conversations too with the you know the active users. Yeah, you know, now that you mention it, I think I did do Slack. I work with freelancers all the time and they're constantly like, hey, let's go on this message board. I mean, Discord, I even used that one time, you know, for something. And I think I think I did do Slack, use Slack one time. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's people that want to use WeChat and uh, what's the other one? There's another one as well. And I'm just like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm just going to download all the apps. Whatever you guys want to talk on, I'll talk on, you know, it's just... Yeah, there's there's so much stuff. Yeah, it's I feel like the future of productivity is just web-based. And that's what Slack, Discord, you know, even Twitter now, a lot of those um, apps do. They digitize and make it really convenient and, and one place to coordinate. Cool. Collaborate. Great. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you're interested. Um, you know, it's a passion project of ours, myself and Trinity. Uh, we're really excited about developing this proposition and then empowering storytellers. That's what the main thing is. That's what the, our podcast series is about. That's what the app is about. I'm a storyteller myself. Trinity is. And we just see a need, you know, a, a need in the market to empower these people. Very cool. You know, um, when I was an intern um, on my like first, I guess, job or internship in college, um, there was this producer I had to go... Um, you know, I paid my dues. Let me tell you this. I had to, you know, run around production assistant, all that stuff. But one of the things that was really interesting and kind of stuck with me was 
I went to go pick up some some producer or whatever for a commercial or something. I don't know. For, it was like Cartoon Network related or Turner related. Um, and uh, I picked him up in the car and he was just on his phone the entire time. He didn't really talk to me. But then he he stopped talking and he looked at me. He's like, what do you think the future is going to be of like storytelling? And uh, like, because we were talking about, you know, this is film related. But, um, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, whatever. I, I, I gave him some kind of answer on the spot. And then I was like, well, what about you? And he goes, I think, I think the future of storytelling is going to be a bunch of mini channels uh, with their own followings. And I, I kind of see that forming. I think YouTube is the biggest uh, example of that. You know, we have so many channels, so much content, all these you know, social media apps are popping up um, like Tapas and mm-hmm. Webtoon Oh, yeah. And oh, man, what's the other one that's like a website builder? I don't know, but there's everything's popping up, and what you're seeing is I think you're you're seeing just so much, so many more channels, and you're seeing the saturation of of things. But like within that, you know, the people that are good and keep at it, they're mm-hmm. able to find little niche audiences, and it's great to have these platforms um, and and to get them out. So you know, kudos to you, uh, you know. I, I say keep trying, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's enough room, um, you know, in the storytelling community where everybody can shine. Just, um, yeah, we're definitely trying to make that a possibility, though. Definitely, you know, connecting professional uh, creatives with, you know, amateur creatives and whatnot, since they have both of them benefit. Uh, anything else? Oh, uh, no, sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> no, <many> no. <laughs> no, this is organic, like you said, man. I hate to say that, but it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's, uh, space to highlight you, and I'm, I'm super interested. I'm super glad that you're interested in the story stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, where do you come from? So, a um, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> I came from uh, Georgia. So, I was I was born in Georgia, then moved to Los Angeles for you know, from the time I was one till like four or five. Then we moved back to Georgia. So, Atlanta, Marietta, those are kind of my stomping grounds. Um, you know, I was kind of born there. I can't even tell you how many times, every time we would go to Atlanta, we ate at the varsity and I'm so sick of the varsity. I don't know if you've been to Atlanta, but man, that it's so good, but you always regret going afterwards. So it's just, uh, the food is so good, but so, uh, so bad for you, I guess, but no, no hating on the varsity. I'm just saying, <laughs> Oh man, that's like my first memory. I think of Atlanta. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. Um, you know, I went to Georgia state university graduated there the film film and marketing degree and um then right off the bat uh i got you know an internship right like kind of i guess my last year of college a friend of a friend got me an internship and that led to a job and then that led to another job and pretty much worked in georgia for like 10 years i'd say 10 12 years um and then it was funny because when i was in college i had this friend his name is will dove shout out um we were we were besties and we we were film guys and like we saw in our class like kind of everybody kind of slowly fall out of film and kind of just the creative space like some people would get married they would or they would graduate and then not really know what to do with the film degree and maybe go back and retrain or just find something else um so we so we we made this pact where like when we graduate we're gonna move to los angeles we're gonna do the dream you know try to make it happen and so I graduated first and um, 
you know, I got a job, I got a pretty good, you know, job right off the bat. So I was good. I was like, you know, I'm going to retire here, whatever, be an editor, stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, jobs in this business are not very stable in the sense of things are constantly changing. Going back to what I was talking about is things are constantly changing and you're having companies about other companies and a lot of film jobs are not looking for full time. They're, they're more like contractor, you know, things are going from film to digital. Um, so it's, it's very, it's very crazy time. So, um, plus there was like a, a little minor recession going on. So jobs were kind of hard, but, um, but yeah, I just, you know, got job after job working, just random production sets like PA or editor or assistant editor or like motion graphics or visual effects. Um, you know, all in Georgia. And then, you know, 10 years in, I was kind of at this one job, like really hated. Um, and my friend Will was like, Hey man, I'm moving out to LA. You got to come, man. And I was like, ah, yeah, but I don't know, man. I don't know if I have the money for it. And he's like, just do it, man. Just do it. So he moved out ahead of me. He got a job right off the bat, you know, production assistant or something, some kind of thing. And he's, he's like, I can do it. You can do it, man. And so I, not having a job moved out, you know, out of Georgia and into Los Angeles. And, um, you know, it was, it was scary because I didn't have a job and I didn't find a job for like six months. I was really like, Oh man, this is, this is, this is seriously scary. You know, um, you know, there's a couple maybe freelance things here and there like that lasted a week or two or something, but I was looking for something that paid the bills. So I, it got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, I went through my savings um, you know, rent is very expensive in Los Angeles as well. It's like, man, a paycheck and a half. And so, uh, so I was like, I'm going to have to go. Like, I don't have any more money. I got to go back to Atlanta. And he's like, no, no, just apply for one more job. And so he like went in my room, grabbed my laptop, sat it on my lap. and was like, apply just to one more job. And so I applied to one more job. And then I swear within like three hours, I got a call from Sony pictures and they were like, Hey, uh, we need, we have, you know, we need, we need like a contract editor to help us, you know, with this, like, they started like these new like side channels or whatever called like get TV, Sony movie channel, Sony, Sony, and they needed somebody to kind of help, I guess, uh, I guess consults on things. And it's just been my bread and butter from there. And it's, it's, it's allowed me to stem into other things too. Like I can, I've been able to create like an LLC and to take my own, um, jobs and stuff since then. And, um, yeah, it's just been great since then. So sorry, I went on a really long ramble, but long story short, from Georgia now in Los Angeles. So. No man, that's good context. That's good context. I um, I love, I don't love to hear it, but it's pretty common theme in a lot of creators I talk to that there's a struggle somewhere in the day, like to to have that creative pursuit, man. There's a struggle in there. Oh boy, man, the struggle is real. Like <laughs> I can't even tell you. There's been times where I have, you know less than $200 in my bank account. I've had like $20 in my bank account before. And I'm just like, man, it's terrifying. And, uh, somehow this, so this is like one thing, um, I kind of have noticed that like I do that I noticed that not a lot of other people do. And I think maybe it's just luck, hopefully, hopefully luck and skill. Mm -hmm. Um, but like if I get stuck somewhere, I just go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make this work, but I need to try something else and do something else. And then I just do it. And then somehow or another, the job finds me and the money comes. And it's been really crazy. Cause like, um, you know, back in Georgia, a lot of my friends are still doing the same 
thing, you know, like they hate their job. They're kind of being underpaid. Um, and they're just kind of, you know, whining. They're doing the same thing that they did. And, uh, you know, we, I remember like there's a trip that we wanted to do where we wanted to travel to like Japan and, uh, and like Italy and stuff. And they never, they never went, they still haven't been. And I, I went, I was like, you know what? I don't have the money to travel to Japan right now, but I planned that trip and then found the money and then went to Japan, you know, like I started doing the travel. So I'm just saying, I think people make time to do the things they want to do. So whether it's on a subconscious level or not, but you make time to do the things you want to do. And that's just something I really want to preach is that, you know, the struggle is real, but you're, I think most of the time people are causing their own struggle in the sense that like, okay, you want to make like, for example, right? Like a, a comic or something. It's like, yeah, you want to make a comic and you keep talking about the comic and you maybe start thinking about the story, but then you just talk about it. You know, it's like, well, nothing's stopping you. I mean, there's a piece of paper right in front of you. you. I'm sure you have a smartphone. I'm sure you have a laptop. You can make that comic. You want, but what you want is a hand me out. You want some producer to just somehow discover you and be like, oh, I'm going to pay you a million dollars, right? And we're going to give you a team to write your whole comic and stuff like that. But 99.9% of the time, you know, uh, you know, percent of the time, it's people that had to do their own thing. They put, they picked up that piece of paper or they, learned how to draw or they, you know, they couldn't draw, they, you know, paid people to draw for them and they just wrote the stories or the vice versa. They had somebody write the story and they drew, but then, then people put it out there on the, these platforms and then people find them through that. I don't know if anybody just goes up to you, you know, and goes on the street and you're just walking da- down on the producers like, Hey, you across the street, <laughs> you look like you could be a great writer or a comic book person or something. And they run up to you, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe in Hollywood this happened. I'm sure one time if you're Brad Pitt, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely, man. And that's a common theme too. You know, pushing through all of that red tape or like minutia, if you will, to get where you are today. Um, I'm definitely hoping that shines through in this interview as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the red tape is definitely very hard, and and for from experience, like yeah, I work at Sony, but the I might as well be working in Canada or somewhere far away. Because those those roadblocks are still there. Those obstacles are still there. Um, they might not... It might seem like, oh, yeah, the people that can just green light my script are right there. Like, I can literally see them. I know who they are. But you can't just go up to them. I mean, you'll get escorted off the lot, you know. <laughs> and even if you try to talk to their assistant, their assistant's going to give you the, the, you know, the shoe, thing, the shoe away or yeah. whatever, you know, the workaround. And it's just... It doesn't help. It, it's It's really... You know, and then also, I don't want to hate on LA because I, I, I have a bittersweet relationship. I mean, I, I love the food here and I love the beach and uh, like just there's so much stuff to do. Like if you're bored in Los Angeles and you're staying inside and not getting out because there's a lot of stuff to do. Having said that, it is overpriced, it's overcrowded and it attracts, especially in the entertainment business, it attracts a certain type of person. And those people aren't always the most trustworthy or uh, real, I guess. Like, they're just, oh, yeah, I, you know, like, they're very fake. Like, a lot of them are very fake. They'll promise you the, the, the moon and the stars, but, like, not show up to that meeting or just talking through their teeth. You know, they're not really real. And it, it is a little soul-sucking at times, you know, because, um, you know, you'll, you'll be surprised the lengths that, that people will go 
just to get ahead, but not really have anything to back it up or really be who they say they are in this city, at least that I'm, that I'm kind of experiencing. So, you know, just be aware of that, I guess, if you plan on moving out here as a creator. <laughs> oh, that's real. That's your experience, man. That's not, it's not an uh, uncommon experience. People have heard that before too. So it's unfortunate. Um, you know, especially you being a creative, doing what you love and having to interact with that, that type of person. Actually, you know, what's so funny uh, now that we're on the subject too, is that I remember when I started just kind of producing my own things and making my own stuff, I would, you know, like hire a freelance, you know, artist or writer or something like that for, for something. And uh, like give, I give them the specs and the breakdowns and they'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And then a month later I'd be like, okay, I'm ready. And they're like, oh, you were serious. Like you're actually going to do it. Like they're actually surprised when someone actually follows through. Like it's crazy, but that's, that's how it is. Like people are so used to getting the runaround or, or just whatever that when somebody actually does show up, they're like, Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're in business, you know? So that's, it's, it's extremely crazy how that's a thing, you know? Yeah. So going back uh, to Georgia, even back a bit further, maybe into your childhood, maybe 10 years or whatnot. Um, what's the thing, you know, experience that got you into creating content or being creative, telling stories? A person, maybe it's this person, you know. Um, so two, I, I'd say two things is the very first thing I ever remember watching as a kid was I, I was in California, you know, so I, I had to have been between zero and four. But I remember my parents were watching Alien, the movie Alien with by Ridley Scott. Wow. And I walked in and I was, I, I, I guess I was too young to be scared of the alien, but I was just like, what is that? And my mom's like, oh, what? That's a movie or something. I, I, she was explaining to me a movie and I was like, oh, what's a movie? And she's like, it's like dreams, but reality. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. It's like your dream, but you're actually seeing what's in your mind out in the real world. And that was really cool and fascinating concept to me. So then fast. So I knew that that was kind of what I wanted to do. I was like, this is what I want to do. Make dreams a reality. And then fast forward, maybe, I don't know, a year or two more than Ghostbusters 2 um, came out and I was obsessed with Ghostbusters 2 and I had a Nintendo and a Sega or whatever, but I had a Nintendo and I was playing the first Ghostbusters game and I was like, you know what? I want to write a, a second Ghostbusters game and create it and draw it out and make a storyboard or whatever and then I'm going to mail it to the people and then I then <laughs> they'll they'll make a second game. And so I wrote, I just drew like, you know, they're, they're probably just doodles or whatever, but I, I had to be like three or four and I just drew a whole thing and I was like, mom, you're going to mail this to the people who made Ghostbusters and they're going to make the second game. And I remember actually like a year later, my mom was like, here you go. And she actually showed me that they actually did make a second Ghostbusters game, but she, she really didn't, you know, mail it obviously. But I just thought it was kind of cool that she reinforced that positively with like, Oh yeah, you did it. You made the second game. They did it. And I was like, wow. So, um, so I, I don't know. I think from there, I just kind of went back and forth between, um, whether or not I wanted to do movies or or video games. Um, and it, I kind of even dabbled with animation for a little while. And it, it still kind of goes back and forth because, you know, film film is kind of like a, it's its own beast because you're, you're spending more of your time kind of coordinating with other people and putting things together and just dealing with people um, in general, just all sorts of different people and locations that 
when you actually sit down to make the film, you're one exhausted and two, that's the fun part. But the rest of it is like the hard part. Mm -hmm. Whereas like animation and video games is like, you could technically do it all yourself. I mean, you could technically do your own films as well, but I mean, you got to compete with Marvel these days and, and no one's really going to see movies. There's a lot of oversaturation and stuff like that. But like video games, you could make your own game. It might take you a few years, but you could make it as good as a AAA game yourself. It would just take a little while or, or whatever. And I always thought that that was kind of cool. Um, so, you know, obviously due to COVID, that's kind of where I'm dabbling now is like with manga, comics, um, animation, video games, you know, because things have been kind of shut down. Um, I am still, you know, doing film, mostly post-production stuff. But, um, but yeah, I know it's just, it's just kind of interesting. And, and also one thing I want to say is that no matter what medium it is, the story is what matters the most. And if you don't have a good story, then you, you really don't have anything, whether it's film, animation, manga, video games. The story is key. And I know that there's a lot of people that know the technical side, but they don't understand story. Mm-hmm. Me being one of them, I definitely it took me a long time to learn the story beats. Um, and once you learn storytelling, I think it opens up a whole new world to you because you understand people and you understand emotions. And sometimes you get things wrong, and and, th- and you know you go from there. But I think storytelling is definitely the the main uh, takeaway from pursuing this kind of you know, I guess format, you know, is storytelling. Yeah, that's really important. That comes through in your work, definitely. The story is the core of a lot of what I saw. So definitely makes sense. Appreciate it. Were there any other, you talk about Alien and uh, Ghostbusters, were there any other uh, TV shows, comic books, video games that inspired you can think of? Oh, I mean, there's never ending list. I mean, you know, I grew up with Batman, Ninja Turtles, uh, Power Rangers, um, Sonic. Sonic is actually probably the, a major influence. I'd say Sonic and Final Fantasy VII are like the major influences for me. And just, I mean, I remember Sonic was just cool and it was fun and I, I got the concept of, you know, storytelling in the sense of like this character is very unique because he's blue. This character is unique. Tails because he's, you know, like an orange color. Knuckles is unique because he's red. And I think that that kind of even holds true today if you look at like you know, Power Rangers, I guess, uh, you know, they were very unique because like, oh, this is the Blue Ranger. This is the Red Ranger. And I noticed that things, if you simplify stories, because you only have so much time to tell a story, if you can simplify characteristics, it's a lot easier for people to catch on to story to, to characters and catch on to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Final Fantasy VII was like just mind-blowing because I, it had so many different themes and side stories and they all connected so well. And the characters are very diverse. And it was just, that was like a whole new world. That was like, that was, that was like probably the step from being a child to teen, early teenager. Because mm. it opened up, you know, romance and fighting and action. Um, so that was, I would say Final Fantasy VII's, you know, the Final Fantasy series in general is the biggest influence on me of all video games. Um, and then probably, you know, Batman comic books. I was obsessed with Batman comic books. And Sonic comic books, but mostly Batman. I had so many Batman comic books. <laughs> I didn't even know that comics would be a thing in the future. So I just read them. They're in horrible conditions. You know, I mean, I got the Bane one where Batman gets his back broken and the, uh, and then the future 
futuristic Batman comes in or like the, the crazy steroid Batman comes in and kills Bane, like breaks his thing, but then he has a falling out with Robin and then Batman comes back and beats him. It's like, I didn't know those were going to be big, you know, back then. So I just, you know, I read them. They are folded. They're probably pages falling out. I'm sure they're worth probably a lot of money on open. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. So that's really interesting here. Yeah. Batman and, uh, were you a fan of Batman, the Beyond series by uh, Christopher Nolan? Oh, you mean the Batman Begins or, or the yeah. or Batman Beyond? I think that's a trilogy. Two. Yeah, no, that I, I always joke that Batman Begins is my favorite movie of all time, but not because of it, of it's a film, because I want to do that in real life. Like, I want to go be a ninja and train and then come back like a superhero badass who <laughs> also is, has a billion dollars who can like kind of change the world and stuff. So that to me is kind of like the most inspiring movie. Like I will watch again and again and again, just whenever I want to feel inspired to like get off my butt and do something, I'll watch Batman Begins. So yeah, awesome. for sure. Yeah, man. I kind of want to get into the um, Persadia Connected series a bit. I have a few, just a few questions about that. Um, you know, the series follows a, a pretty popular theme in the animation manga world right now where uh, the, the characters are transported to another world in their um, world. So you could have based your story in any setting or scenario. What made you choose that style uh, or that genre for your webtoon? So this is a really great question. And, um, you know, this is, <laughs> I have like many ways, I guess I can answer this. I think the, the first way is that I think there's too much negativity in the world right now. Like the news, COVID, oh. everyone's just fighting constantly there's so much negativity negativity and i think that um you know every time i turn on the the you know youtube or or just anything like just people are just destroying each other and they're fighting and and you know there's always a shock value too like the, the drama always has to be the shock value where it's like oh they're happy family but the wife is sleeping with the next door neighbor or something like that and it's just like man I, you know, I just can't stand all the negativity. So I'm always going to choose hands down fantasy over anything else, because I think we all need escapism and we need more positivity and get away from like these, you know, things that like kind of like hold us down as like a, a race, you know, a species. And I, so I'm always going to do fantasy because, you know, it's always easy to have, you know, I guess you can, I guess, you know, there's some really successful fantasies where you apply real world issues to fantasy. And I think in that aspect, it's, it's, it's fine to do that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and also, you know, a tricky thing with fantasy too, is you, you need, you still need to make your characters relatable. Um, so, but anyway, okay. So that was, that was kind of like the reason I chose fantasy and a funny story about Crusader connected um, in general is that I had this, this idea for the idea um, like years ago. And it was just kind of a throwaway idea. Because I was like, okay, spoilers for anybody who plans on reading it. I mean, it's only the spoilers for the second and the second chapter, but it's kind of the twist. Um, and it, it's it's so hard to like. I wanna I wanna hook people in because I know this is the hook, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to read it and then be like, oh, end of the second chapter, whoa, mind blowing hook. Okay, but I always thought it'd be kind of funny to. I was watching a lot of One Punch Man and, and like reading it, and I thought it was so funny how the main character just one shots everybody. And I was like, you know what? I want to take the most useless character in the series and give him like the strongest stats. And so he just one hit kills everybody. But the thing is, he doesn't know how to use any of the controls, doesn't care about video games 
or whatever. And I think that's the hook. So it starts off and you meet Alexander, the main character. He, and he's got all the traits. You know, he's got the, the typical stereotypical brown hair. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's he's got the he's the the personality that everyone kind of reflects them. You know, I forgot what it's called. The, the one you associate yourself into, you kind of put yourself into him, you know, and he's, he's got all the traits. He's got the heart of gold and, you know, he's, he's been training hard. Just so you think he's going to be the chosen one. He's got, he's given the big break. You yeah. Know, like the stereotypical protagonist. Yeah. The, yeah. the <laughs> shown in protagonist, you know, and then he's got this, this brother, this older brother, who's kind of like, he's past the being the kid stage. And he doesn't really care about video games, and he's just, you know, there's there's other thing reasons that I don't, you know, that's that are, you know, things I want to spoil. But he essentially just doesn't get, you know, care at all. He doesn't give a crap. And Alexander, there's like this one day, you know, this is the premise, but one day the, there's an announcement that, you know, there's this big uh, sword that like will that will be bestowed to one player to save the whole game from breaking and stuff like that. And they're going to have a contest, but in order to sign up for the contest, you have to make a team of five people. And so Alexander recruits, you know, a diverse cast of characters, but he, he only manages to have a team of four and the, the countdown starting, you know, and he's got like 10 seconds left. So he's like, Oh, I need my brother, Eric. Like he's the only person I have run out of issue. I've, I've run out of um, options. So he gets Eric. He, he's like, dude, please help me. He's like, I don't even know how to play. Like I, I'm, you know, don't throw me into this. He's like, I'll just teach you. Just shine, just sign up with me, and we're gonna go. And so they sign up together. They get in, and then you know it's like, oh, okay. So now, now the game's on. Now they're you're in it. You're with the protagonist. He somehow made it. There's stakes, and then, you know, lo and behold, they make it all the way to the end. You have all the the, the elite characters there. You have Alexander. Spoilers. Eric's the one who gets the sword. Because he falls asleep at the control, he hits the forward button, he accidentally walks into the sword and obtains it. While everyone's so busy bickering over it, he he gets it. So, and then it's just, that's very interesting now, because now you've got a character who doesn't know how to play, but he's a perfect catalyst to the story, because now people have to um, naturally tell him, organically tell him the story, like how the game works. You get to see how everything works through this character now who doesn't really know... Um, you know, how to do everything is like, how do you tell the story by still, and the more interesting thing is how to keep Alexander as the main protagonist while having Eric be the big plot point. Um, and so it may not be obvious, but there is hints and there's definitely things progressing that will lead you to, to know why Alexander is still the protagonist, you know, at the end of the day. So, so that's kind of it in a nutshell and, and kind of the throwaway thing was like, it'd be so funny to just kind of one punch have this happen and have and it's actually meant to be a lot more funny where eric was supposed to just kind of summon the sword at random and one punch people again and again and again (laughs) but like um still happen man i mean it's it still will happen but um i kind of fell in love with the characters and i i kind of wanted to take it kind of like as i was writing it just kind of took up its mind of its own so now it's just um, kind of a mix, I'd say, of everything. I want to have like some drama, some even some romance here and there, some action, some comedy. Um, so yeah, I'd never thought about that, but that is a perfect way to inform the audience through Eric, who's not familiar with the game or the universe at all. Yeah, 
Yeah. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I think instead of people, I notice a lot of writers when they start off, they'll like try to tell you the lore and the rules and everything. And it's like, it's too much information at once. So I just want to have it, you know, you're right in the middle of the action with Alexander trying to find people, you know, and then, Oh, he's got this, this uh, anomaly. Eric is in the team. So it's like, he's got the team of five, but he's got one really weak member. He doesn't even know how to play. So how are they going to get from the beginning of this, this competition all the way to the end with this weak member, you know, and not to mention all these other new members that he doesn't even know yet. They're just complete strangers. So you get to kind of know who they are. I mean, my favorite, by far my favorite character is Shishi. Um, and she's like this little 12 year old, you know, Chinese girl who she's really, she's kind of like a, a rich spoiled brat with an attitude, mm-hmm. but she's very funny and very like angry. And like, uh, I just, I love that character. It's my favorite character. Um, and it's just, you can have a lot of fun with her because she doesn't, she doesn't take any crap from anybody and like her and like any chance I get, I want to pair Eric and Shishi together because, because <laughs> Eric just doesn't know how to do anything and she just doesn't want to put up with it. So, um, there's going to be some funny stuff, you know, especially in the finale, you know, so. Yeah. I was going to kind of ask you about that group dynamic. You have, um, Alexander, Alphonse, Mina, Shishi, and Eric, and they're the party of five. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- how, why were you inspired to put, uh, create that group dynamic in your webtoon? Wh- have you seen it before, or was it just, wh- what was the inspiration for that? Um, you know, I think, I think, okay, so whenever I think, uh, like, when you're storytelling, I think it's good to be organic and and to be realistic with it. And this this is a game that is played online. It's an MMO. You don't know everybody on there. They're going to be from all over the world anyway. And so I think that it makes sense for them to get kind of people from all over. So I think it kind of, it works in that sense organically where it's like, oh, well, I don't have anybody. This is a competition. It's a global competition. You know, might as well be as inclusive as possible. And I also think that, you know, I, I look and I say, oh, I want everybody, I want as many people to be able to associate themselves with a character in the series as they're watching it. And so I, I chose Alexander because he's kind of like the stereotypical main character, main protagonist. But I also want other people that may not fit that look or not, may not associate with the, the stereotypical protagonist of Shonen series and stuff. I want them to be able to find a character that they can love and and kind of be around so you know that's why you know alfonso is is black you know african-american he's actually alexander's uh brother i mean uh best friend i was gonna say brother um but uh best friend you know so they actually go to the high, high school together and mina is also japanese but she's also in high school with them as well so you have them three and she she's from china um and eric's obviously um alexander's older brother um but you just get i think it lends to one, it stretches me as a writer because I get to do more research. I get to kind of use what I've learned um, just from friends I actually have that are like that. Because, I mean, Alfonso, uh, I think his, his um, I came up with him because when I was playing Final Fantasy VII, I had this friend named Kevin, and he, he looked, you know, kind of like Alfonso. I, I kind of, you know, modeled him a little bit off of how I used to look. And, you know, from my, you know, five-year-old memory or whatever, but um, 
I remember we just played Final Fantasy together and we were just best friends playing this game. And so that's kind of like their dynamic together, just being bros. Um, you know, it was easy to just, just kind of adopt that. Um, Shishi, I don't really know how I came up with her. I just thought I wanted some kind of firecracker uh, character. And I don't know. I just, I, I think I just got back from China and I have a friend named Shishi. So it just kind of, that just clicked, I think. And then I also wanted Mina to be Japanese because, you know, I mean, this is this is a shonen. I want it to be manga. I want, you know, Japanese readers to associate, be able to associate with this as well. So I was just like, you know, and plus I love Japanese culture as well. So like I, I went to Japan. It's beautiful. And so I just I had to have a Japanese character in there as well. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely others, you know, like side characters, but those those are the, the core group. And, um, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it has to be this way. It has to be this way. It was just kind of like people I met from my experiences, you know, the dynamics that I'm used to and going from there. So. Yeah. That's definitely reflected in the series. They've all seen, the characters all seem very organic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I mean, if you really think about it from like a, a subconscious perspective, I guess technically everybody is a subconscious part of me. Like, you know, she, she's probably <laughs> the anger. doesn't give a crap. Mina's probably the more bashful side of me. Eric's the, like, I'm overworked, constantly working side that just can't have fun. Alexander's the, I, you know, I want to do better. I want to be a better person. Alfonso's like, hey, you know, I, I want to support my friends. I want to be just a better person and make other people better. So it's just like, it's all there in a way. It's just, you have to, if you, if you know me, I think you can probably tell like which parts of me or who, which character, you know, but um, yeah, I think it's good to be organic as possible and, and just, you know, write what you know. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I know. And I, I hope it works. Yeah. I hope it's, it's working. So. Works for me, man. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the future of um, Persadia Connected. Is there other, other platforms potentially in the future? Uh, I saw something about an animated short in there. So I just wanted to ask you, what does the future look like for this uh, series? Um, thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, so this, uh, so so I usually do film. That's my world. I, I do shorts. I've done, you know, I tried to do a couple features. I mean, these are all like self-financed or, or like got somebody to kind of finance them a little bit or something. Um, it's actually, it's funny because the struggle was so real up until maybe I'd say three years ago. And then that's when things started getting interesting. Um, I started getting people to kind of invest in my projects and actually put real money down mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, this is actually finance. Like I could say proudly, this was, this is what I could do with this amount of money being fully budgeted. So, um, but then COVID hit and, you know, all those people kind of disappear. They're like, well, I do want to invest, but we're gonna have to wait till COVID's over. Um, and so I uh, found myself with a lot of time and, you know, you can't go out as much. So, I was able to save a lot more money. And so I was kind of like, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to tell stories from my home. And so that was how the manga, you know, the web comic started. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm just kind of, it, it, man, what a learning curve that was too, because learning how to, cause like, it's kind of like, I would say it's almost like a studio. It's like grant film studio in a, in a sense, because like, I do write everything and I came up with like the, the designs and like how I wanted them to be and wrote the scripts. And like, I tell them, you know, like, this is how I want everything to go, the shots and stuff. And, you know, I have to get artists 
like freelancers to help, you know, bring that to life and, and also help make my design, my little sketches designs better mm-hmm. and professional. It, one, it took a long time is learning curve to figure out how to translate stuff to a comic and then also how to trans, how to, how to get uh writer. I mean, uh, artists that kind of worked with what I wanted to do. And it's funny because there's some writers, I mean, there's some um, artists that I'll have that will like come in for like more funny chapters and more action packed chapters. And I'll be like, Oh, you're so good with just Alexander. And so if there's a solo chapter of Alexander, you get it. And then if there's, um, you know, with the whole group, there's definitely a writer. I, I mean, I definitely have my top two, right. I keep saying writers. I don't know why I keep saying that artists, uh, like, uh, like draw, like, um, manga artists and the top two, like I definitely have my top two and they're definitely going to be my final two that I, I kind of take with me, um, forward. And yeah, we just kind of, you know, also you just kind of have to keep uh, track of all the different, um, things. Cause if somebody's doing one chapter, you have to keep track of what they've done. If there's any changes and you have to make sure you tell that person. So it really gets tough to keep track of everything, you know, um, mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, uh, this desk actually is going to be a different color now, or this desk has this chair instead of that chair from the reference. And so I had to tell the other writer and like, it's crazy. So, um, uh, so that's, so anyway, that wasn't the question, but uh, I just want to say it's been evolving. And (laughs) so so, uh, another thing that's kind of happened is that during COVID, I actually had the opposite is I actually kind of had an increase of, um, I guess, jobs and, and, and stuff. I'm, you know, very, very lucky. I mean, my wife, she lost her job, uh, cause she was in event coordinating and you can't really do any events obviously. Um, but I actually, since I have an editing, I can, I can edit and do motion graphics and stuff. Um, I actually got an increase of work because now everything that was being shot or whatever is in post-production and stuff like that. So, I've been slammed with just commercials work, um, you know, any, anything, honestly, like any company work or, or just broadcast work or any, anything you can think of. And so that actually allowed me to kind of build my own studio, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's very minimum, uh, minimal, you know, like I'm talking like just freelance artists. I can't really bring people on, but it's been really, yeah, it's a start. Like I can actually be like, okay, you're actually hired. Like here's a 1099, you know, tax form. Uh, you're going to, we're going to report back every couple of weeks, you know, one, once per uh, week or something like that. And you give me updates and stuff like that. So I've never really had that before. And it's been kind of interesting, but having said that, I've been able to kind of finance a lot of things. And so I was able to get an animator to do Crusader connected uh, like a promo. And so we did a promo to kind of just show like, you know, I was, it was kind of just to get the word out a little bit more, and I, I didn't actually put in money for a marketing budget. So as soon as I get to a stopping point or like a pausing point with the webcomic, I'm going to put some money aside and then try to market it a little bit better. Um, Cause marketing is man, it's a whole other beast. I, I mentioned that earlier, but like, yeah, I have the promo and I have the web series, but now I have to market it and I've got to get people to see it. And you've got to, uh, man, it's just so, so exhausting. I don't know how anybody does it. So, when people critique other people's work, I definitely think, you know, really consider all the work that they're really having to do because you got to do a lot of stuff, including market yourself. And it's just exhausting. And it's, it's impossible to really do it all. So you really do have to have some luck on your side. 
um, just having the right people see it and stuff like that. But uh, long story short, um, yeah, I definitely going to try with City Connected specifically is I have the animated promo. I'm going to do a marketing campaign. I also am making a mobile game for it. It's going to be kind of like a virtue puzzle fighter game. I don't know if anybody's ever played virtue puzzle fighter, but it's kind of like a Tetris, but you kind of battle one another. So you can choose like Mina and Alexander or Alfonso and Lucas and, and Eric and whoever. Um, and you just kind of playing Tetris with somebody. It's a mobile game. So, you know, you can play against the computer local and unlock the characters. Cause you're only going to start off with um, Alexander and Eric, but you can unlock as you beat the characters on the local game then you can play as them and then you can uh, play online with people in like a, there's like a, a forum or whatever you can go and pair you up with somebody and you, you can play against them. And there's going to be like a little ranking system, but it's just a little basic game, but you know, everything, every little thing helps. I like to think, and hopefully that'll help promote something. And um, I'm going to have a shop where, you know, if there's like some characters that you, you personally liked from the series that aren't the main characters, um, you can, you know, purchase them for like a dollar or something like that. But I'm going to take every little bit of money that I make from the mobile uh, thing and try to make my own animated series. Like, just try to make a pilot, start with that. And I mean, I I technically have the money to do it, but then the web comic would stop and any other thing would stop. Like, that would just be it. Like, I would have to just do one episode and that would take a full year and then another episode and that would take a full year. Mm. And it just would be very time consuming. So I'd rather just start. I want, I want to, I guess maybe help hopefully get enough uh, interest so that maybe outside people who could just make the series in one go uh, will hopefully find it. But if not, I mean, I'm not going to stop. I'm definitely going to keep it going. Um, now, having said that, this is another venture that I just kind of uh, picked up other than Crusade Connected. And this is like a game I kind of had, I was really obsessed with Uncharted, uh, the game series yeah. for PlayStation. And, Very popular. Yeah. And I, I got really fed up with being inside all, all, all last year. So I kind of came up with an idea for like a travel game, you know, for like, you know, just like Uncharted, it'd be third person, kind of similar controls. And I started, we just now started developing that. So that's actually going to come out, you know, sometime I think early next year for the PC and then PlayStation. Um, but I'm just making a proof of concept. So it's going to be like an hour long game, one big level, like a big castle with like a dungeon and stuff. Um, but it'll definitely have the uncharted for quality. Like I've already looked at that w- at one or two of the characters uh, and they look just like Nathan Drake from, I mean, not his design, but the quality of how they're modeled and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like the levels and we're using unreal engine Four, So, nice. um, it's going to be good. And then that's going to be, you know, kind of a pay to play thing. And I'm going to take every little bit of that. And hopefully depending on how much it makes, if it makes enough, I'm going to make the full game, like a full story, the actual story. Um, and if it makes more then I'm going to apply that to the Crusader connected, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll deviate the budget accordingly. So either way, there's something going to come out of grant studios, um, you know, some point next year. You, you have a master plan, man. And those things are all really connected really nicely. So that's incredible to hear. <laughs> COVID didn't slow you down at all. No, it, it, it made me frustrated and, and bored, I guess, enough to like make me want to do other things. So 
um, I'm actually kind of happy too. And I think I find it way less stressful in the sense you don't have to coordinate. I mean, you do have to coordinate, but it's not as, oh, we have to shoot tomorrow. Do we have all the gear? Do we have everything? It's less like in the moment stressful. It's more like a minimal stress, but like ongoing minimal stress as opposed to high highs and low lows when you're filming like a production and stuff. So that's really incredible. So you, your storytelling extends into things like you know, the egg, you know, your fan fiction works and love never forgets, which I, I found really special. I really like that. Um, so what attracts you to cinema? Uh, what is it about the medium, you know, pulls you in and keeps you coming back? Um, you know, I, I don't know what it really is. I think it's, I think it's because you, you know, I, I'd have to like really talk to like subconscious Fred, but um, <laughs> it's definitely not the the pain and misery. That's for sure. In the long hours. But I'd say it's like, it's maybe cause like, you know, you feel like you get to know, it's like my favorite thing. Cause I never got to do it really is traveling. I like to uh, like, ever since I turned 29, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go on two trips outside the country a year. And so far other than COVID, you know, I was able to do it and it's kind of like, it's kind of like you get to do a bunch of different things. You get to meet a bunch of different people and you get to see a bunch of different lives. You get a bigger perspective on things. And like, I feel like honestly, as a storyteller, that's really the, the biggest thing that gives me the edge is that, you know, people try to say, they say that, Oh, I want to make a, a global international movie, you know, but it's like for, for like both America and China, but it's like, have you been to China? Or have somebody from China, have they been to the U.S.? And it's like, I think you need to spend some time in both places and, and you know, get to know the people and, like, kind of what they... And I'll tell you, like, you know, as much as we are the same, we're very different as well. Like, in the sense of, like, we all have different experiences. We all have different governments. That's a big one, you know, and we all have different mentalities. And there's also things that, you know, like, here, America is very free. And there, I know, like, <laughs> just an example, but, like, I went somewhere and like literally I had the weather channel app and it said like hazardous air quality, you know, like, you know how this is cloudy or sunny. I went to this one place. It literally, instead of cloudy or sunny, it said hazardous air quality. And then I was like, you know, I commented, I was like, do you, do you guys see this? And they're like, Oh, I don't notice, you know, but you could tell they totally noticed, but they're just not allowed to say anything, you know? So um, anyway, I'm going off subject, but, but I think that's, the fact that I like traveling and experiencing so many different things. And I, I like to just observe, I like to observe people. I know I'm talking a lot during this but it's because COVID not usually just talkative. <laughs> you ask anybody, I'm like more like Eeyore. I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to do but, um, that's good, you know, man. but I think that's what it really is, is that, you know, when you're doing film, you get to learn about different people and different experiences. And like, you know, there's so many things just, just, I mean, the biggest thing I learned was literally living from Georgia and California, like just going, just doing that little bit of a move. You see a whole different world. Like people think differently. Um, there's yes. things that you never would have even known uh, that people thought, you know, back home, you know, back in Georgia, but they didn't say anything because it just wasn't the, the thing. You know, so it's like, there's just so many things that you just never think of. And I think, also, the biggest thing is like living with a woman, you get to see kind of like they, you get to hear their problems, like how they feel. And I, the funny thing too is like when I'm writing women characters, I've noticed it's changed a lot. Like I, I definitely try to throw in some fan service for the boys, you know, stuff like that. But, <laughs> but for the most part, I definitely, I feel like I learned to make 
more realistic women characters because I get to see, you know, how how they feel and how, you know, catcalling is a big issue. And there's like they, you know, they constantly feel put down and and how they're portrayed and things as being kind of dumb, but like good looking, like, you know, there's not more to much more to the character. And, you know, I, it's, it's funny because like, I almost see like Hollywood when they're talking about like strong female characters, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you, you're saying you want a strong female character, but you're not really doing it because you're probably a writer from, you're probably just this old man who's not married and you're trying to write a strong female character or you're trying to overcompensate by like making the girls super overpowered. And it's like, it's like, just write, just write a person, you know, write a person, you know, ask them, you know, like, and here's the thing too about storytelling as well is that you have to be really careful as a writer and storyteller because like I can bring my work to people and I'll be like, Hey, how's this look? And they read it and they're like, Oh yeah, it's great. It's great. And then I'll be like, well, what about this? And they're like, Oh yeah, no, I didn't really like that part. I was like, why didn't you say so? Like, why didn't you say you didn't like that when I asked you, you know, they're like, well, you know, whatever. So it's like, you have to be very, you have to, I think what you need to do is get people that are honest with you that, that will give you good feedback. And then, not, I mean, here's the thing is like, I'll see a movie, you'll see a movie. I might like the movie, you might hate the movie, but we watched the exact same movie. So why did I like it and you hate it? So people can look at the same thing and completely take away different things because you're not seeing things for how they are. You're seeing things for how you are. And that's a big, uh, I think, philosophy, psychology uh, saying is that you're projecting yourself onto these things in your experiences. So, um, so, you, so like, yeah, you can take away different things, but you have to also be smart enough to know what things you should actually change and what things you shouldn't like stick with your guns on because a lot of times people don't really know your full vision. But then again, if there's common denominators where everyone's like, yeah, you have to change this. This is just bad, you know, then you should probably consider it. You know, if everyone's telling you the same thing, but the biggest thing is to get people to tell you the real uh, thing. So, yeah. Sorry, going back to the question is like, I just like storytelling and I think it's a good way to just try different things, different experiences, different stories. Yeah. That was great, man. You actually answered a few of my questions in there. So thank you for oh, that. Okay. Great, yeah. I just have one last formal question. Uh, where do you see Grant Studios 10, 20 years down the road? What's the vision? It's funny because um, I, used to, I used to plan everything out. Um, like my entire life, I would be like, I mean, not my entire life, like when I was, you know, high school, I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, yeah, maybe I'll do videos or something like that. Um, <laughs> but like, I think when I got to college, it's when I was like, at this age, I want to do this. I want to focus on this. At this age, I want to focus on this. Like I had it down to detail. Like I was going to, you know, have make this much money by this age. Or I was going to live in this place by this age. I was going to get, try to look for getting married at this age, like have kids at this age, you know, stuff like that. So I think nowadays, especially COVID, is definitely throwing off things. It's postponed because, like, I've been wanting to move for like the longest time to like Seattle or Washington or what Washington State area, um, and you know, it's, that's definitely pushed it back two years. You know, so it's like, you know, so, you know, and they also pushed back weddings, and uh, you know, it's probably gonna, it, you know, we we have certain things we want to do, but it's really hard to foresee it. So I, I definitely have like goals, you know, like here's, here's the thing that I decided is that I'm going to make the things I want to do regardless if, 
any other if Hollywood wants to see it or if people want to buy it. Like I think that in general, as long as you're productive, you're growing and you're you're happy. Um, as long as you're growing, that's the biggest thing. You you have to be constantly learning something new every single day. I don't care what it is, how, how small it is, but if you learn something new every single day, you didn't waste that day. So for me, as far as like Grant, right now it's Grant Films. I'm going to change the LLC to Grant Studios because it's kind of expanded into just film now. It's going to be a video game and webcomic and stuff. Um, another thing to do on the list. Um, so, but for that, like I'm, I've already said, like I'm going to have this video game made. Like this, this, uh, I'm not sure how I, what I want to call it. It's either going to be called Brothers Elliot or Lore. Um, and I'm going to make that game. Like, it's going to get made. I don't know how long it's going to take, but that's going to be it. Like, it's like my maybe two-year, five-year plan to make the full game. Um, and then also, I'm going to have at least one episode of Crusade Connected made into an anim- a professional anime, anime. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but it will definitely happen. It's also in the five-year plan. Um, so I think I'm just going to set goals and then just be like, this is my focus and try to hit those deadlines. Um, you know, so that's, that's pretty much the future of it. There's, there's going to be five seasons of Crusade Connected web series. Um, so maybe five anime seasons, I guess. There's, def- there's technically a sixth. Um, I'm only going to write the sixth, though, if like, it's popular and people are like, yeah, more, more encore or whatever. Because it kind of is like a happy, it's like a happy cliffhanger, I guess. It's like, it, it has a happy sort of ending, but, um, you know, there is an actual ending ending that I've already planned out for a sixth season that's like a final definite, this is the ending. You know, if you want to see it, you can, but I'm planned to budget for just five um, seasons. So right now we're on chapter, I think, um, I think I just posted 16 or 15, but there's going to be 25 episodes for chapter for season one um and then i don't know i've outlined season two season three season four season five i'm assuming they're going to be about the same so i mean we're looking at about you know six years of crusader connected web comic i'm hoping though i mean the thing is is i went all out on the budget for that and then it's going to get reduced big time so we're going to start seeing maybe chapters posted once a month as opposed to every week or every other week um just because you know the fan base has got to be there for to support it or else, you know, there's not going to be, it's, it's just when the money's there, it's there. So if it's, the money's not there to just crank out, you know, the whole series in like one go. So it's going to be when, you know, when, you know, when the money's there. So, you know, I encourage, I definitely encourage fans to talk about it, spread the word. Um, you know, if there's any kind of mobile game, you know, make purchases, you know, or whatever, you know, every little bit is going to be used. It's not going to be used to traveling or my own personal wallet. Like, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, you may look around. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am, but like, if you look at the bank account, it's still paycheck to paycheck because every single bit I get goes to a project, um, in some way, shape or form. Um, so, you know, just, just keep in mind, you know, if you like what you're seeing, your dollar is going to go towards what it's meant to go to. This has been really an incredible interview, man. You provide a lot of context on the series. Thank you so much for just sharing with us today. Uh, you know, I'd love to do this again sometime in the future and have you back, you know, maybe dive more into the cinematography and see where 
uh, Presidia Connected is? Cool. Yeah. Uh, anytime. Just let me know. Uh, I'm always happy to to rant, especially during COVID, you know. <laughs> well, now I just want to give you the opportunity, you know, tell the people where you are, where you want to send them. Um, we'll, we'll be sending out, obviously, we'll be creating a story makers page for you, put a lot of content there. But in the meantime, is there a place you want people to go, Instagram, website, whatnot? Yeah, I mean, um, there's Crusadia Connected Instagram. You just go to Instagram, type in Crusadia Connected. The main official page will pop up. Um, there's the web comic, obviously, on Webtoons, Pastic, uh, website apps, Crusadia Connected. Um, check it out, you know, support, subscribe, tell your friends. The biggest thing is to subscribe and tell your friends and get the word out because the, the more people that share, word of mouth is the key um, to making it a success. And it might not seem like it, but every single, every single person, even if you're watching this now, you're like, oh, no, it's not going to matter. It matters. Like, trust me, every <laughs> single person. Because I would, I would see like 800 followers and I'd be like, oh, gosh, we're never going to get to 900. And then I got 801 followers. I'm like, thank you, 801 followers. <laughs> and then before I knew it, like two weeks later, it's 813, whatever. So it does build up. It does. It really does. So I'm just saying, everybody, you know, pitch in. And actually, if I might, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a little plug right here. And I have this app coming out. It's called My Buddy. M I B U D I. I kind of went with like the, the iPhone, you know, the I instead of a Y. But mm-hmm. it's My Buddy. It's a pet app for. It's like a Facebook for pets. So if you're sick of having your phone full of pets and you're scrolling around, you're like, oh my gosh, I have no memory. Just put them on my buddy. It's an app. It's on the iPhone store, Android store. It's just now available uh, with all the updates and everything. Um, and yeah, you can create your own profile, create your pet's profile, meet other pet people. You could probably even find, you know, maybe there's some romance on there. If you have, uh, if you, you know, somebody else who's, who's got a cute little kitty, just like you, you can have a little pet date. But um, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, so just wanted to plug that little little thing. Definitely, man. That's really cool. I never thought about that. Pet dates. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's just it's just one aspect. Actually, another thing about it too is that um, if you lose your pet, you can also put it. You can say where you lost it, and it'll notify everybody with the app as to where you lost your pet. So, and and adoption as well. If you like let's say your cat has like a litter of nine or something mm-hmm. you can make it a profile and you can put it up for adoption we don't we don't handle adopting like you know you just have to contact the owner yourself but hey at least it's one more outlet to get people you know so these these pets aren't just abandoned in boxes on the street you know so yeah man maximum reach more eyes on them definitely thanks again um Fred, and uh, thanks to all those listening and watching wherever you are. Uh, be sure to visit storystorm.co slash storymakers to listen to the full transcripts of this interview and to see what uh, else Fred is working on. Also, stay locked in our social media feeds for more from the Storymaker series, free digital art, paid contests, uh, storytelling resources, and more. All right, Fred, uh, can I get you to do just a piece on three? I'm going to give you a countdown. Peace. Peace.